18. And uh, um, I tell you guys a lot that I listen to a guy named uh, Stephen Furtick. And uh, I guess my overseer is would be Bishop Chris Moody. But if I were to have a pastor as your pastor, I would probably call Stephen Furtick my pastor because I listen to him more than I do just about anyone else. And I hadn't listened to him in a few weeks, so I guess you could say I've been a bad church member. I hadn't been to church. And uh, God had laid on my heart uh, this message. And, uh, and today we're going to be talking about King David and some of his psalms. And I didn't really realize that, uh, that Pastor Stephen was in the middle of a sermon series about David. And I was like, man, if some of my church folks come to church and I start preaching about the psalms, they're going to swear I didn't stole one of Stephen Furtick's sermons. So this is not that. <laughs> but I did think it was ironic or confirmation, however you look at it. Um, but we're going to be talking today about a message entitled, Who You Gonna Call? And uh, I'm not going to lie, this this is kind of going back into my childhood a little bit. How many of you ever watched the movie Ghostbusters? I know we're Pentecostal, so probably not a lot. Or at least you didn't tell your preacher if you did about 20 years ago, amen? <laughs> oh, okay, we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to watch this movie entitled Ghostbusters. And uh, for those of you who've never watched the movie, um, it's really silly. It's like a spoof movie. I know they just came out, and I want to clarify. I'm not. I didn't even watch the one they came out with last year. If you heard about it, I didn't really. I wasn't really interested in it. It didn't have Bill Murray, so I was like, or Dan Aykroyd. I was like, I'm not interested, because um, you know when you grow up on something, you want that. You know what I'm saying? That's where some of our uh, other things come from. Like even with the music we like in church, you grow up on something, and so it's something you're used to, and that's what you want. Amen. And so that's just part of life, and, uh, and so I, I didn't go watch it. But when I grew up, there was this movie called Ghostbusters, and, and, and the precipice or the, the thought behind the movie was that there were ghosts rampant in New York City. You know, I could never live in New York City because everything that's going to happen bad in movies is going to happen in New York City. And so just in case, I'm just going to stay in the South where I, don't nothing happen down here in the, in the movies. They, they forget we're down here. And, but anyways, the Ghostbusters, they are supposedly ghost rampant in New York City. And, um, <laughs> and the thought was that these guys, these scientists, had found a way to trap ghosts. Okay, now this is fiction. I'm not saying that there are ghosts or there's not ghosts. We're just telling you what the story was about. And so these scientists had figured out a way to trap ghosts. And so they even, and so it got around the city, and they had started this business. They bought an old fire station with a fireman's pole, which is, to me, the coolest part of the movie because you got to ride down the fireman's pole. For a five-year-old, that's really cool, isn't it? Like, I almost, I got a, like, I got a two-story house, now. I want to put a fire pole somewhere so I can slide down. Especially as I get older, my knees are going to get bad. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, and so in the movie, they, they had this place, they started this business, and they called themselves the Ghostbusters. And they even had this commercial in the movie. And, and, I, I, and so there's this lady in this commercial that says, there's these guys. I can't do a Bronx. I can't do. I am so bad at trying to make uh, sounds or whatever. There's this lady. Like, There's pesky ghosts everywhere. We don't know what to do. In the commercial, like, we've tried this. We've tried that. And that none of it's worked. And so they said, well, who are you going to call? Anybody know what they said? Ghostbusters. I'm not going to lie. And part of my sermon prep this week was listening to the Ghostbusters song. You know, uh, when there's something weird. Anyways, I started to play it. I was like, no, that might be too far. And uh, anyways, I'm not going to sing it because, again, you may walk out early. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like, who are you going to call? And they said, Ghostbusters. And, uh, and so they got famous and a big ghost. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Big Marshmallow blew up. It was a really cool movie. 
And uh, <laughs> so don't go home. I'm not going to take you home and watch it, but it was five or five, for a five-year-old that didn't know Jesus, I enjoyed it. And, um, <laughs> but I got to thinking about that this last week and, uh, and the week before, uh, especially after last week we talked about adversity and how to deal with adversity and what to do with adversity. Um, the one thing I didn't get to that was actually part of my message last week is who to go to in the middle of adversity. And God really began to develop this in my heart this week, and he began to ask me, who do you call? You know, I used to love this movie, and it's funny because I saw a commercial about old Ghostbusters, and it was just, who are you going to call? And I was like, oh, that's cool. I remember that movie. But then God began to minister to me about, who do you call whenever trouble comes? God began asking me, who do you call whenever craziness comes into your life? And I got to thinking because whenever God asks me questions, I like to assume that they're not rhetorical because God sometimes asks us questions that he already knows the answer to, but he knows we need to answer them. Is that true? Because God already knows, but sometimes we need to get it out of our own heart so that we can realize what's going on inside of ourselves. And so I started, you know, kind of having this conversation with Jesus. And I said, well, you know, there was a time in my life where when things were going crazy, uh, I, I, I called or I, I used alcohol. I drank a lot. You know, part of my testimony was how God delivered me from borderline alcoholism. I drank a lot before I got saved. And so I said, well, there was a time in my life where I ran to alcohol. There's another time in my life where I ran to other substances. Thank God he never let me go into hard things, but I did run to other things. And I, I, I was just kind of going through this, li this list, and there was another time in my life where I just simply ran to back roads. Anybody else ever do that? You get, you know, in the country we do that. We get our, our minds stressed out, and we're like, all I need is a back road. And I'm, and, and, but here's the thing about it. And I got to thinking, I was thinking this through. Whether it was alcohol or it was other things or it was people or whatever or a back road, at the end of my back road, it was the problem was still present. You ever notice that? That whenever you're going through something and you don't deal with it, you just kind of avoid it by using other things to get you through, that at the end of the day, the problem is still there. And so I was asking myself, well, how did I deal with this before Jesus? How did I deal with this when I got saved? Well, when I got saved and Jesus had this new car smell, then I knew that I took all my troubles to the Lord. Like that old song, where can I go but to the Lord. I got saved and I knew because I was freshly saved, I got to go to Jesus. If I stomp my toe too hard, I got to go to Jesus. If I've got cancer in my family, I got to go to Jesus. I went to Jesus for everything. But then there comes a point in your walk with Jesus, if we're going to be honest and we're going to be real, that we get comfortable in our faith. And when trouble comes in, whether it's small or big, we are tempted to lean on other things than Jesus. I know for me, I started thinking about it. You know, after I got saved, and I'd been saved, and the new car smell of Jesus wore off, I thought about, well, where, what did I go to when craziness came to my life? And the first thing that came to my mind was self-dependency. Anybody else like that? I'm not going to bother Jesus with this. This isn't a big deal. I can handle this. You ever said that as a Christian? Well, I know I'm going through something, but don't worry, I can handle it. I thought, well, I went to self-dependency, and then I also went to cell phone counselors. That's good. And the thing about cell phone counselors is most of the time whenever I use them, I wasn't looking for a solution. I was looking to complain. 
That's good, isn't it? Anybody else done that? Who did I call whenever after the new smell wore off of Jesus? And I started trying to figure things out on my own. I started trying to depend on myself. I started trying to call people. Trying to give me something that only Jesus could give me. Isn't that true? That whenever we are not leaning on Jesus, we start depending on people around us. They can't give us what we need, but then we get upset with them when they fail us. And so I thought, who do I, what all did I depend on? What all do I depend on whenever I'm a Christian, but I'm not really depending on Jesus? And sometimes so it was self-dependency for me, cell phone counselors. What's funny with cell phone counselors is when you call five people, they tell you the same thing, but you call somebody else because they didn't tell you what you wanted to hear. Oh, that's good. That was better than what y'all just said. That should have been at least three amens right there. But then I, there's another thing that I did. Whenever things were facing me that were hard and I didn't know how to deal with, I ignored them. Because sometimes it's easier to ignore what you're facing and just stick your head in the dirt, isn't it? Sometimes you kind of, what's that animal that does that? Is it an ostrich? You get like the spirit of an ostrich. I make up all kind of spirits up in here. You're going you gonna to come up with an ostrich spirit and say, oh, bad times. <laughs> I think I just pulled my back. Somebody had to pray for me. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got a catch. I almost didn't get back up. <laughs> but seriously, things come into your life, and instead of dealing with it, sometimes we're tempted, instead of taking it to Jesus, we're tempted to just ignore it altogether and say, well, it's going to go away. But the problem with most things is that they don't just go away if you don't handle them. The problem is that some things will actually get worse. There are very few problems that come into our life that simply go away if they're not dealt with. Anybody ever had ants in your house? Man, I ain't never had a house that was mine, but now I do. And you know what came with them? Ants. I have never hated an animal more in my life. I done used like five different, these are super ants. I swear every one of them got capes on S on their chest. I have used everything that Lowe's can provide. I've even thought about getting on the black market and looking and see what, what, you know, somebody in the Middle East will sell me that is illegal in the U.S. <laughs> because at some point or another, the house had an ant problem and somebody ignored it. And so now at my house, instead of, and I love my house, it's a great house, it just has a few ants. And so now instead of, just having to deal with a small problem because it wasn't dealt with, there's a big problem that I've got to sort out with me, Jesus, and a bunch of chemicals. Because it wasn't dealt with, it just spread and it got worse. And life is the same way. Whenever there are issues that are in our life and we don't deal with them, nine times out of ten, it's going to spread. And it's going to get worse. And so knowing that if we don't deal with issues then they spread, then that tells me that if I don't take them to Jesus, I'm going to be in trouble. If I have issues in my life and I am not dealing with them according to the way God has called me to and I let them spread and I don't take them to Jesus, I'm going to be in trouble. And I think that's kind of how we get in trouble, but we blame God later because we say, well, God, why did you put me in this situation? When in reality, if maybe we would have dealt with some symptoms a long time ago, we wouldn't be where we are today. Why is my relationships falling apart today? Well, maybe five years ago, if you were to start praying together like you should have. Oh, that's good preaching. 
Well, maybe if you to start talking about issues or maybe if you to start having problem-solving conversations. Why are my children acting crazy? Maybe it's because you let the youth pastor and the children's pastor teach them about Jesus. And when I say you, I say I'm really talking to myself because I'll be honest with you. I'm going to tell you something that's heartbreaking. My, my, my daughter came home. I shouldn't say it like this. My daughter came home. And when you're raised a certain way in the faith, you want your children to be raised in the same way in the faith, right? Is that true? And so that's why most of the time if, if your parents are Baptist, you're going to be Baptist. If your parents are Church of God, then your, your, your kids have a high likelihood of being Church of God. If your parents are Catholic, then your kids are going to be Catholic. And it's not that any of them are bad or, or good or bad. It's just that you would prefer your family stay in your faith, right? It's the same Jesus, but you'd prefer for your kids to do Jesus the way you did him, right? And um, and we do, we take time to pray with, with Bellany and, and and things like that. But she came home, she started praying the other day. And, and she's going to, Mr. David's going to laugh at me right now. I see he getting ready to giggle right now. He, he came because Mr. David, he goes to the Catholic. Mr. David is more spiritual than anybody in here. I'm embarrassing him. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop. But he'd be going to two church services every Sunday. I'm going to stop, Mr. David. <laughs> but but she came home the other day, and she was she did a song, she did a prayer. I was like, oh, that's so cute. But then she she did a prayer in a way that other denominations do that we don't do, and it freaked me. I was like, wait, stop, we don't do that. <laughs> I kind of freaked out a little bit. But it convicted me because it made me realize, hey, this is an area of my life that I need to pay attention to. Some of us wonder why, why our kids act crazy, but maybe it could be it could come back to the fact that we let other people pastor them when we should have been pastoring them. We wonder why our marriages are in, are in shambles sometimes, but maybe it's because we were letting other people give us advice and we were looking at other things instead of taking care of our home. And how do we do those things? Well, I can tell you how you can't do it. You can't do it without Jesus. I have come to a conclusion that in my life, in my, in my marriage, in my kids' lives, in the way I deal with my family, I cannot do it effectively without Jesus. Why? Because I am broken, and I sometimes do things that are wrong, and I say things that are wrong, but what happens when I include Jesus in the things that are going on in my life is he sends the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct me. And I think a lot of times we get in trouble because we're doing our own leading, guiding, and directing. And the difference between God leading us is that he sees the whole picture. All we see is how emotionally attached we are to the situation right then. Oh, that's good preaching right there. And so unfortunately, all these things that I would depend on, they didn't work. They don't work because depending on me will never work. Depending on myself will never work. There are, there's a certain level of things I can do in life. But outside of the grace of God, I am very limited in my ability to handle situations. And so sometimes after the new wears off of Jesus, we are tempted to just try to take care of it ourselves. And i got to tell you this morning, that's a trap. It is a trap from the enemy. Because what you're saying, what we're saying, whenever we try to handle things on our own, is that Jesus, I appreciate what you did, but I don't need you every day. Whenever there is craziness coming into my life, and I say, oh, wait, Jesus, I got it. Essentially, what I'm saying is that I appreciate your blood, but I can do this better than you can. 
That's why a few weeks ago we sang a song, I need you, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Why? Because I never want to get, I never want our church to get to a place where we forget our deep and desperate need for Jesus to be in every part of our church and in every part of our lives. And so we think, or, or often I think we're tempted to depend on things other than Jesus. And I know this is true because humanity hasn't changed that much. I heard someone say to me the other day, I think it was Marty Tackett. I was talking to him at Walmart. My wife got mad at me. We were talking for like an hour and a half. When preachers get together, there's just oxygen can barely get into the conversation. There's just no room. And he said to me something. We were talking about something. He said, you know, there's two things in life that never change, God and people. And that stuck with me because I got to thinking about it, especially when I was doing this sermon and, and writing it down and praying about it. And I was thinking about how we always tend to go and lean on things that aren't Jesus. And I, I, I asked myself, why is that? I asked God, why is that? And he reminded me of Adam and Eve. Why? Why did he bring me back to Adam and Eve? Well, what did they do? Obviously, they ate the apple, looked up and said, hey, we ain't got no clothes on. Because before, they were robed in the glory of God. They sinned. They, they fell from grace. The glory was removed from their body. He looked up and say, Adam said, Eve, why ain't you got no clothes on, woman? And she said, you ain't got no clothes on either. So they went, they, what'd they do? They went and got some, some fig leaves to cover up. I've always thought it's interesting that when they messed up, instead of going to the Father to try to figure out how to fix it, they tried to hide it from him. And I need to tell you today, you can't hide things from God. You can pretend, you can stick your head in the dirt when things are going bad. You can pretend to have it under control. But the truth is this, there is nothing that we can hide from God. He knows when we're good. He knows when we're bad. He, he's the real Santa Claus. He knows when we're sleeping. He knows when we're awake. He knows when we're struggling. He knows. He knows. And so I thought about Adam and Eve and how they, they, they fell, and instead of running to God, they just ran to the forest and got some leaves and covered up. But it didn't fix the problem. It just really prolonged it. But the thing about Jesus is he doesn't want to cover up our issues. He wants to wash us clean of them. Whenever we involve Christ in our lives and Christ in our struggles, he doesn't come in just to cover our sin and just to cover our issues. He comes in to wash us new. That's why we involve Jesus in our lives, in our everyday lives, because we cover stuff up, but he comes in to bring life. I think of Adam and Eve, and I'm also reminded, well, how do I know that humanity doesn't change? Maybe it changed in the New Testament. Maybe we, we got smarter. Well, so Adam and Eve, they tried to take care of it, of it by themselves. But then you turn over to Galatians. And Paul was writing to them in the New Testament. Now, this is after Jesus went to the cross and we're under the new covenant. All we got to do is can believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, and we'll be saved. That's all we needed. And what did Paul say to the Galatians? He said to them, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has so easily bewitched you? That's how he wrote a letter to them, because they were trying to add their own abilities in with God's grace. You see, whenever we try to take care of our lives on our own, what we're essentially doing is discounting grace. Whenever we're trying to fix our own lives, we're trying to fix our own situations, and we are not letting Jesus into our issues, what we're saying is that, God, I can handle it. I don't need your grace. I'm going to go back to works. 
then we get ourselves in trouble. Because if we could work out our own lives, think about this. If we could work out our own lives, why would Jesus have to have gone to the cross? If we could carry our own cross, why did Jesus have to? Ask yourself this question, who do I call in times of trouble? Because it will literally determine what your spiritual journey looks like. Because if you are depending on yourself, you are always going to have times of trouble. And you are always going to be in times of despair. But if you are involving Jesus in every adversity that you walk into, I'm not saying that your life will be hunky-dory. What I'm saying is that when you're walking through it, you're going to be okay. And you're going to have peace and you're going to have hope because you know your win is not dependent dependent on your ability. Instead, it's dependent on the blood of Jesus and his goodness and his grace. That's good. So who do you call in times of trouble? We're all tempted to call on other things other than Jesus. Why is that? I think it's, an, I think it's a ploy of the enemy. I think it's a ploy of the enemy to get us in a place where we depend on ourselves more than Jesus, where we depend on alcohol more than Jesus. I'm not going to get into this debate about whether or not drinking is, is a sin or not a sin, but whenever, this has always been an issue with me. My friends that, that drink, Christian or not, I ask them, I say, well, what bothers me is whenever they say, I've had a hard day, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to have a drink. And to me that says, I'm replacing the grace of God to carry me through burden with the ability of this alcohol to give me a buzz and get me through the day. I'm not talking about whether or not sin, uh, alcohol is a sin or not a sin. What I'm saying is when we depend, whether it's alcohol or it's people, because sometimes we use people to get us through situations, and really we're just manipulating them, using them to make us feel better. And the problem with those things is that they run out. Who are we going to call? Who are we going to call in our times of trouble? I believe it's a ploy of the enemy to get us dependent on things other than Jesus because he knows there's no power in anything but the name of Jesus. I drank alcohol for a long time. And again, I'm not saying, and I, I'm, I need to move this because I'm not making this about alcohol at all. I've, I've used people to make me happy. I've used alcohol to make me happy. I've used busyness to make me happy and make me forget about my problems. But the problem with all of it is at the end of the day, my issues were still there. Because there was no power in my ability to be busy. There was no power in my ability to be good. But there is power in the name of Jesus. So I believe it's a ploy of the enemy to get us to depend on other things other than Jesus. And so what we see, and if you have your Bibles, we can turn real quick to Psalm 18. And I'm almost, i got a few more minutes. We tend to forget that our strength and our blessings come from the Lord. And here's the thing. We see, we're going to turn to the Bible, we're going to look at some things. We see that through the life of David, that really in times of trouble, God is the best one to call. I love David. Because David, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an example right now about why I like David. Verse 1 of Psalm 18 says this. I love you, Lord, my strength. Oh, David loved Jesus. If you got your Bibles, old school, because it's not going to be on the screen, or your phone, turn to verse.
verse 42. This is why I like David. Now remember, he just said, I love you, Lord. My strength. Verse 42, I guess he needed strength because in verse 42 he said, I beat them as fine as windblown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. I read that yesterday and I even put it on Facebook. I, without context, that said to me, Jesus said, I love Jesus. I mean, David was saying, I love Jesus, but sometimes I just got to put my hand on people. <laughs> I was like, dang, David. But that's what I love about David. If you read through the Psalms, David was so real with God. And we know, and we're going to talk about a few things today, but David was just all out there. It didn't matter. He, if he was happy, you knew it. If he was sad, you knew it. If he was mad, you knew it. And he didn't try to hide it from God. And at the end of his life, God said something important about David. He said that this is a man after my own heart. And I think it's because David valued God's opinion over man's opinion. Because sometimes there are things that we need to say to God but we refuse to really be honest with him because we're afraid of what people will think of us. I think sometimes we're afraid to really enter into a real relationship with Jesus because we don't want to seem fanatical. We don't want to seem like those weird people. And the problem with that is God has called us to be a peculiar people, set apart. So David... David's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Let's read some of these verses. The Bible says in verse 1, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Aren't you glad that God is a place of refuge? My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Verse 3, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. You ever felt that way where you just feel like defeat is, is all over you and there's no way out? The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. But in my distress, this is going to be good. I'm going to stop. I should just stop preaching after this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. I need to tell somebody today, when you're in trouble and you call out to Jesus, he's going to hear you. Somebody needs to hear that today. When you are in times of trouble and you are in times of <clears throat> excuse me, adversity and you call out to God, I guarantee you this, he hears you. And that's one of the most... That's one of the most hopeful statements that I can ever give you is that whenever we are in trouble, he hears you. He hears us. Because it's a bad place to feel like whenever we're in trouble and there's nobody there to help. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And the earth, listen to this. This is what happens whenever God hears your trouble. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundation of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Can I tell you something today? That when the devil attacks you, it ticks God off. Whenever the devil comes into your life and he tries to throw craziness into your life, God doesn't look at that passively. Sometimes we ask the question, God, where were you? And maybe the problem is that we didn't include God in the battle in the first place because if we had, God would be fighting on our, on our behalf. You see, whenever we include God in our issue, we need to understand that God does not passively love us. He is passionate about us and he cares about us and his thoughts are turned toward us. 
And so whenever his children are in trouble, it ticks God off. And he's ready to get into the fight. And so we're going to look at some things with David. Because David knew God in a way that I hope one day I get to know God. The Psalms, one thing you got to understand about the Psalms is all these Psalms, they're a response to life. If you read through the Psalms, the cool thing about them is it, it's, like, it's like a journal. I go home, I had a bad day, and, and David wrote about it. I was going through trouble, and David wrote about it. And, and so Psalm 18 was a memoir of sorts of all the deliverances that God had brought David through. And this is important for us, and this is, and this is why. Because, for one thing, we see David starts talking about all the things he went through in his life, all the, all the deliverances, all the failures, and all those things. And so what we see through this is that there were good and bad times. How, how this applies to us is that if we look at this Psalm 18, the whole chapter, we see very clearly that there are good and bad times for everybody. Because sometimes we feel like bad things only happen to us. And we wonder, we ask that question, why does it rain on the, on the just and we feel like it doesn't rain on the unjust? But when you look at David's life and you see how he started off as a shepherd boy and then whenever God called him or sent someone to call him, he was ignored. He gets anointed but then has to wait several years and then when he gets there, he gets attacked by the king and then has to go into hiding. I need to tell somebody today that God is not targeting you for evil. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. God is not against you. He's for you. And so we we see through this chapter that good things happen to to, to good and bad people, and good and bad times are going to come. I see through, through this psalm that not only do good and bad things come, but God is faithful through all of them. It's important not just to know that good and bad times are going to come. It's even more important to know that no matter what comes, God is going to have my back through all of it. And so through this psalm, as David begins writing and sharing with us what he's been through, I totally agree with whatever that just happened. (laughs) As David begins to go through what's happened and, and where he's been and what God's done, we have to remember that God wasn't just talking to David, he was talking through David to us. And that good and bad times may come, but through all of it, God is going to be faithful. We also see, and so if God is faithful to David, we can trust that he's going to be faithful to us. And in Psalm, some of those examples is like in Psalm 51. When you think of David, most of the time you think of one of two things. Maybe if you're Pentecostal, you think of three. You think if you're Pentecostal, the first thing you probably think of with David is he danced till his clothes came off, supposedly. But then you also think, well, with David, well, he killed who? Goliath. Well, with David, he also was famous for something else. What was that? Bathsheba. And so what I see through the Psalm 18 is that God is with us through several things. The first thing God is with us through is even our failure. Because David was writing this psalm toward the end of his life. And one of the things that are referenced here is Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, David is writing a psalm 
about his failure with Bathsheba because with Bathsheba, we all know the story, how he saw her bathing on the roof naked. I don't know how that worked out, but anyways, he said, ooh, that looks nice, and he pulled her over, sent her, you know, what, we know the story, got her husband killed, all those things, and then she got pregnant, and then the baby died. And so in Psalm 51, after that sin, where David had caused these bad things to happen, David said some things to God. He said, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David said some things. He said, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He even said, God, clean my heart. He, he, in this Psalm, in Psalm 51, he said, have mercy on me. God, blot out my transgression. You see, David knew who to call on whenever he was in a time of failure. David knew that whenever he had made a mistake and he was in trouble, it was not worth running from it. Instead, he needed to run to God and say, look, I did this, I own this, please forgive me. I wonder how much further some of us would be in our faith if we would stop hiding our sin and running straight to God and telling him about it and saying, God, I'm sorry, help me through it. That's what David did. He said, have mercy. Blot out my sin. Wipe it away, please. David was broken. In Psalm 20, David knew how to call on God. He called on God in times of fighting. In Psalm 20, it was written after Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And, and it's really a funny story because Saul had been chasing David and trying to kill David. Well, Saul gets in this battle, gets struck with a sword, and ends up killing himself. And so one of the, well, he, he, he fell on his sword, as the Bible says. And a guy comes by, just an innocent bystander, and says, hey, uh, you kind of fell on your sword there. Do you need some help? <laughs> and Saul, Saul said to this guy, he said, hey, I'm in a lot of pain. Will you just come and finish me off? And so the guy says, well, okay, I guess. And he helps him. I guess you can call it help, finishes him off. And then he goes to tell David about it. Hey, Saul is dead. David said, well, how'd he die? He said, he fell on a sword, and then he asked me to finish him off. And David said, what? And so the messenger got killed for doing what the king asked him to do because he said, you don't touch the Lord's anointed. And then he went to war. And then he said something. David said something really important. He said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. God, David knew that whenever he was going into a time of battle, that he had to in include God in the fight. Whenever cancer and sickness and trouble comes into your life, I have to tell you today, you need to include God in the fight because he is raring to go on your behalf. He is for you. He is not against you. And, what, and, and the spirit that he's put in you is stronger than any spirit that's going to come against you. But in order to put him in the action, you've got to involve him in the fight. So David knew that if he was going into battle, he, he had to include the greatest warrior in the history of eternity on his side. He had to include him in the battle. So David knew how to call on God. He called on God in times of fear. How many of you have ever had fear just overtake you in your life? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with that? This is written, Psalm 7. Hope you're taking notes of these psalms. Psalm 7 was written whenever David, David was running from Saul. Saul was mad because David had been anointed king, and the people had given David favor. And Saul said, I can't have this. I'm going to take this guy out. And on the road, David wrote Psalm 7. And one of the passages here is, Oh, Lord, my God, I, I take my refuge in you. I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me, all who pursue me. David knew how to call on God in times of failure, 
He knew how to call on God in times of fighting. He knew how to call on God in times of fear. And he also knew how to give God praise in times of victory. If you look at Psalm 144, he says this, Blessed be the Lord, our strength, who teaches my, my hands to war, my fingers to fight. He knew how to call on God. And here's the thing, David knew that he had sin in his life. He knew, he knew how to get in trouble. But he also knew that God was the source of all the goodness and all the blessings in his life. And no matter what he did, he could not allow himself to be separated from the source. And so my question to you, and Ms. Karen, if you'll come play for me this morning. My question for you today is, who do you call in times of trouble? We looked at David and looked at a few of his songs. And he knew that God was his source. I said earlier that our temptation is to be our own source. But I need to tell somebody, your, your spiritual strength is not a renewable resource. There's a scripture in Isaiah that says, those who trust in the Lord, they will renew their strength. But you gotta remember that the only way that your strength gets renewed is by trusting and leaning on the Lord. There are things that we go through, guys. And this is not just sermon material, this is real life, this is real talk. There are things that we go through that literally, will we survive them if we go at it alone? Possibly. But what will you look like on the other side if you do it by yourself? The good news for us today, for David, as we look at David, is that because he knew how to call on the Lord, he made it through. And he became exactly who God had created him to be. He left a legacy of children that served the Lord. And even Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God, God robed in flesh, came through his bloodline because he knew how to call on the Lord. So because David knew how to and that he needed to call on the Lord, his life wasn't perfect, but he turned out okay. And so we know that if we lean on God, and we call on him in times of trouble that we are going to be okay. But my question to you is, what if we don't? What if we let pride? I was talking to someone last night. What if we let pride keep us from victory? What do I mean by that? I was talking to someone last night. And, and this is my heart. Can I share with you my heart before I let you go? I didn't grow up churched, even though at this point in my life, I'm nearing that number where I've been saved longer than I wasn't saved, which is kind of weird for me. I'm very thankful, but it's weird because I've always had this testimony that I lived as an atheist longer than I've been a Christian, and that's about to leave.
But I was talking to someone last night, and short, it was a long conversation, but short, one short part of it was how so many Christians really don't put their business out there because they're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of saying, being honest with a sister or a brother in Christ and saying, I'm an old Miss fan. Please forget. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All you old Miss people praying for you. <laughs> but seriously, Christians come in, or, 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 or some Christians, they, they need help. I can't speak for any other church. But for this church, this is my heart. That when we say that we are about healing and mending, healing hearts, mending hearts, restoring lives, we do that. That whenever I share with you, Christina, I'm struggling. I don't worry that Christina's going to go and tell Brandon and Brooklyn and Uncle B and whomever else. I know that because I have invested my hurt in her, I have tr entrusted my hurt with her, that she's going to be there to hold me up. That she's going to be my assistant as I call on the Lord. My heart for this church is that we would be a safe place for broken people. Because sometimes when people come into these doors and they feel like they can't be honest, it stops them from calling on God because they're afraid of seeming imperfect because our faces are so glazed over and we have our masks looking so good. And so my question for you today is this, as I get ready to close, is who do you call in times of trouble? I don't want the church answer. And I'm not asking for you to say it out loud, but I don't want the church answer, well, I call on Jesus, but yet you go home stressed and anxious because you're carrying a load that you were never meant to carry. I want to ask you today, and I want you to ask yourself, who do you go to in times of trouble? Whenever the devil is beating at your door, when your relationships are falling apart, when your kids are going crazy, who do you go to? Do you go to cell phone counselors? Do you try to take care of it yourself? Or do you know, I got to get to Jesus? As we close today, I've got to tell you this. If you were meant to fix it, your name would be Jesus. If you were meant to carry it, then you would have been in eternity with God and you would have carried a cross to Calvary.
You weren't built to carry and to fix. You were built to serve and to follow. And when we serve and we follow, you know what happens when trouble comes and we call on God? We read earlier that the earth begins to tremble and it begins to shake. Closing with this, because we serve a violent God. We like to think of God as love and as mercy. But the truth is that the New Testament God is still the same as the Old Testament God. And in the Old Testament, God swallowed people up in floods. In the Old Testament, God would wipe out entire nations on behalf of his people. And I need to tell somebody this today, that if you are under the covenant of Jesus Christ, and you are under the blood of Jesus, and you are going through struggle, and you feel like the devil is attacking you, you are not on your own. And if you will invite God into the fight, he will fight for you. He will go with you. He won't make you go it alone. He's got your back, and you need him in the fight. God is your ace in the hole. He's your machine gun in your back pocket. He's got you. And he will fight violently for you. Because the devil will fight violently against you. He will fight violently against your family. But God loves you more than the devil hates you. And God is stronger than the devil could ever think that he is. So would you stand with me today? Who do you call in times of trouble? Are you in trouble today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, are you in trouble today? Are you in trouble today? Are you facing adversity that is bigger than you? If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands. God sees them, God sees them. If that's you, and you're facing something that is bigger than yourself. Just want you to lift your hand so I can pray with you. If that's you, God sees them. God sees them. Let me pray over you right now. God, you saw every hand that was raised. Father, you know every person in this room, and you know exactly what they are facing. And Father, I pray, I know that as they call on the name of the Lord, that victory will come. I pray that strength would arise in them, Lord. I pray, God, that as they fight whatever battle they're walking through, that you would make yourself very tangibly present in that place, Lord, that they're in. Lord, for those that aren't here today, people like Miss Shirley, Miss, Miss Helen, Brother Pete, and a few others that aren't here today because they're fighting their own battles with health issues in their families, Lord. Father, we, we pray over them as a family of faith right now believing, God, that you're able to keep them and to protect them. God, we trust you. We love you, Lord. As fathers, we get ready to leave this place. I pray that you bless every person in this room. I pray, God, that you give them favor as they go. 
We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Love you guys. Bless you as you go. We'll see you Wednesday.